week. And it, it was on something I think that was in their memories that I had tagged them in on Mother's Day um, almost 10 years ago. And, um, you know, back when Facebook was new and we were filling out all these questionnaires about ourselves and it was fun, you know, just totally different. Um, but I wrote this, this thing towards, well, I had cut off the beginning of it, I guess, but it said, I think it said to all my moms, this note that I had written. And I just, I wanted to read it to you all today, um, because I feel like there's just a lot of treasures in there. And so it said from my mother, Delia Schoonover, I learned that you can have class and be real all at the same time. From my mother-in-law, Sheila Flowers, I learned to be more mindful of my words. Well, sometimes. <laughs> when she's around. <laughs> From my grandmother, Ina Byers, I learned to express myself. There's freedom in that. From Julie Chamberlain, and I'm going to come back to this one, but from Julie Chamberlain, I learned that God, some of you, if you, if you remember her from Puyallup, she's real tall, the tall couple, the Chamberlains. I learned that God never goes back on his promises, even when you have waited for so long. And that's where that one has just stuck with me today. From Julie Thompson, I learned that it is never too late to practice good parenting. From Stephanie Hart, I learned that no matter how much is going on, my children are my top priority. She's with the kids today, driving them up. I think back on the way she stuck with her little ones all the time. It empowers me to do what I feel is right. From Doris Lindsay, I learned that the best is always better for my family. From Lori Tolbert, I learned that no matter what I have to learn how to do, I must be a creative parent because my kids are individuals and they are worth it. From Ardith Campbell, Artie, I learned that through God all things are possible and that he can take us places and use us in ways we never thought possible. From Karen Toms, I learned that patience is really a virtue. From Dora Roa, and I'd like to add Sally Sanchez and Julie Rodriguez to this one, I learned that an education can change your course in life for the better. Um, I'm so proud of our moms who have gone back to school. They just, they amaze me. Talking to Sally sometimes, I like to kind of vicariously live through them sometimes. Like, oh, how's school going? How's your grades? And they just blow my mind. I mean, I'm just one of those people that school's hard for. It's just like, ugh. And when you talk to Sally and the, the classes, she just recently went back to school the classes she was placed in were high. She plays it down all the time, and she gets good grades, and she just blows my mind. Julie's the same way. They just blow my mind. From Julie Rodriguez, well, I just like her giggles and how they keep services so lighthearted. Still the same 10 years later. From Dana Melvard, I learned that it's one thing to be a mother, but it's another to have a mother's heart with a capacity to love and care for any child that walks through her doors. And, you know, something that it really stuck out to me when I read Julie Chamberlain's because, and this is public knowledge, but for years and years, Julie tried to conceive a child with a lot of miscarriages. And it's something we all knew. People prayed for her all the time. And then there was this word spoken to her. And I want to say that it was, man, I bet it was, let's see, I think I was maybe 12 when this word, 11 or 12 and maybe 18. So Six or seven years later, she was always waiting like it was going to be the next day, but it took about six or seven years 
And I remember she sat me down. I was a senior at school, the church school. She sat me down uh, to talk to me about all the stuff I need to finish. And uh, she had this ultrasound photo. And she said, I just want to share this with you. She said, this girl who's in college, she called me. And I, she used to be in my Sunday school class a really long time ago. I didn't know her. It was a different church. She said she used to tell me that she would pray that she could have a baby that she could give to me. And now she's, you know, in a rough spot. She was in college, and she was pregnant, and she called me and asked me to adopt her baby. The Lord just gave her a baby, and they never were able to pursue adoption. I mean, it was only going to be through a miracle that they could have a child, and that's Cherish. And I like to remind Cherish whenever I see her that you're a promised child. Like, I know teen years are hard, but you're a promise, a big promise to the whole church, really. We all knew. And it was, it was just such an amazing thing. And I, I came across the scripture this morning in my reading. I didn't go searching for it. It was just right there. It said, and Jehovah visited Sarah as he had said. And Jehovah did unto Sarah as he had spoken. And I know that, you know, a lot of times God gives us promises for our kids. And uh, the scripture that, um, it's funny. I started to go through all these promises in the scripture. And, um, Annabelle learned about honor your father and mother so that you may live long. And I'm telling you, she remembers that. So when she sees an elderly person, she says, they really, she's very serious. They really must have honored their father and mother. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably what they did. And or sometimes I'll hear her use it against her brothers and sisters. Do you even want to live long? Do you want to live long? Do you? <laughs> I love how, how literal she takes that. And... Um, I lost it now, but the scripture that talks about train your child, I wish I had it because I liked the version of it, but about training your child, it said something like from the beginning. I wish I had the version, but it didn't just, we kind of quoted as train your child in the way he should go. Maybe that's King James, but it says from the start, point your child in the right direction and they won't return. They won't, they'll come back, whatever it was. They won't leave it. I can't remember that version. And that reminded me of... I've heard my dad talk about my great-grandparents on my mom's side. He, when they were dating, he would stay at their house, and he would hear them get up in the middle of the night and cry out to God. My great-grandmother was blind. They were very old. Well, probably wouldn't seem that old now. Maybe they're in their 70s. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's not old. Um, and something that we saw happen was, you know, when they died, none of their, well, one of their kids was living for God. One of them. And... Long after they passed away, maybe 15 years, as their children became older, most of them have turned their hearts back to God in their later years, probably in their 60s and their 70s, before they di- they've died. But all those years, you know, they died, you'd probably not be very sure where my kid's going to be. And those kids have come back to God because of what their parents put in them and the prayer. And you just, you have to hold on to those promises. I've given, you know, sometimes it may not come from a man of God to come and tell you something. You may feel that promise. You may see it yourself and think maybe that's just a dream or that's just a hope I have for my kids. But that might be a promise that God has given to you. Um, Years ago when, when Annabelle was small, she wasn't talking yet. She started to walk at almost three years old, and there was just so much fear. I was so scared. It was so much pain. It was just a rough time. And I'm driving over the mountains because I'm going to, like, put her on this special diet that's going to make her talk, right, because we thought she had autism. And 
I'm driving, this is a horrible idea, I was driving all the way to Whole Foods, and I'm really going to do this once every two weeks, right, to get all the gluten-free stuff we need. So I'm driving over from Yakima to Seattle to Whole Foods one weekend, and I just had bought her this Shout to the Lord children's CD, and it has this song on it, you've probably heard it, they say, na, 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 this song. Okay, so all the way over the past, I just kind of cried, and I would listen to that, and I would just see her in a children's choir at our church, bouncing up and down and singing that song. Well, would you believe that when we were in Memphis, every time the children's choir got up and sang, they started with that song, and Annabelle was in it, and she was singing and bouncing right along exactly as I had seen it. So you hold on to the promises that God gives you because that's what we do as moms. We just trust. It takes guts to be a mom, doesn't it? And a lot of faith. So I just appreciate all of you moms. Happy Mother's Day. And thank you for everything that you do. Even if you're not a mother, you, you're influencing somebody. Always. There is a, one of our visitors today. I can't remember your name. I'm sorry. So much was going on. <laughs> um, she's, Sister Artie said she was from the Yakima Church a really long time ago. And she said she's one of the Schoonover's daughters. And she's like, oh, I, there was two girls I used to watch. I used to babysit. I said, I was one of them. <laughs> Me and Kaylee probably were terrorizers. And everybody had to babysit us. <laughs> but anyways, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, man, I'm going to dismiss our teachers their classes, and I will echo what's been said. I'm thankful, and I give honor to my mother and to my wife. There was a few years in those Facebook years where we used, we shared an account, so I think I saw that reminder (laughs) uh, a couple of days ago, but uh, I'm thankful for that, and she is a wonderful mother. I told her that it's just a privilege for me to get to watch her mother our children because she's so good at it. So I'm thankful for that. And all the all the mothers here today, I give you honor. We say thank you. Children, if your mother is here, you are dismissed to your class after you give her a hug and a kiss. And all our children are dismissed. I make my kids do that before bedtime sometimes just because sometimes the house needs an attitude change. There is a, uh, a sweet presence of the Lord that's here today. I'm thankful for that, and I acknowledge that. I believe he wants, I know he's already been speaking to us, ministering to us. I believe he wants to continue that. And uh, while my wife was up here speaking, I just had to share this. She was talking about the the child and that child that was a miracle. And 
we pr- we've spoken and prayed for and thanked the Lord for healings and, and so forth. Um, what I felt from the Lord to say is that your miracle is here today. Your miracle is here today. And here's why I know I can say that. Because he is our miracle. I want you to turn to John chapter 6. I won't take the time to read this whole setting, but in this passage in John chapter 6, in the earlier parts of the passage is where Jesus performs the miracle of feeding a multitude with five loaves of bread and two fish. And that in itself was the miracle that was needed at that particular moment to feed those people. His disciples said, these people are hungry and we are not able to feed them. So he was presented with that need and Because he was the miracle, the miracle was there. And he just said, what do we have to work with? And he worked with it and performed that miracle. Uh, I I would submit to you and tell you today, if you allow yourself to be what the Lord has to work with, then you'll see the miracle. Because that passage, as it proves, he doesn't need much. And I'm thankful he doesn't need much. Because that's, I don't have much to give him. But it, that doesn't mean he's limited in what he can do. So I want to start reading it at... We'll start reading at verse 26. And this, in this passage... So he performed that miracle, uh, feeding the multitudes, and then uh, he gets to slip away from the crowd. The crowd tries to find him, and where we're picking up here uh, reading is once they find him uh, to talk more or, or whatever, they want to continue. I don't know about you, but if somebody miraculously uh, fed me, healed me, touched me, whatever it was, I wouldn't want to just let that get away in a fleeting moment. So this crowd follows him. And in verse 26, it says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Look down at verse 30. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What doest thou work? And here's their response. Uh, it's, a, it's almost a shift in a way from the miraculous that he had done the day before, 24 hours removed. They said, what sign will you show us? After very simply, J- Jesus said, believe me. 
And the Father sent me, he sealed me, he, he's proven to you that I am who I say I am. And now they're saying, what sign can you show us to prove that you are who you say you are? Because that was a great meal yesterday, but uh, I don't know about the rest of these folks, but I need to eat every day. And they said, verse 31, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 33, sorry, verse uh, 32, Jesus said to them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven. Everybody see that? The bread that God gives is he. Not it. We're not talking about food. We're talking about a a he, a person. He that cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Verse 35, it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The bread, I am the bread of life. As I said earlier, we know our miracle is here today because he is here. He is the bread of life. And because he's here, what we need is here. And I don't want you to get confused because we're not talking about this building. But he is with us. He's with me. Wherever I go, he's there. And he is the need. He is the miracle for my need. Look at John chapter 4. I'm just going to read this quickly. I know it's been spoken and mentioned here at various times recently, but that conversation that Jesus had with the multitude very much and is in a lot of ways is similar and reflects the conversation that he had with this woman at the well, which is it recorded here in John chapter 4. So I'm going to look at verse 10, John 4 and 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Verse 13, Jesus said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never Thirst. Everyone say, never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well springing up into everlasting life. I am the bread of life. I give living water. And this makes me think, we, we, we've talked a lot about in Matthew chapter 6 where he records 
the Lord's Prayer. There's a portion of that that almost seems out of place when you're praying among these other things. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and in there it says, give us this day our daily bread. And this is Jesus instructing how to pray. So he's not leaving out the fact that every day, daily, you need your bread. I am the bread of life. Every day when you pray, give us this day our daily bread. I'm not talking about the physical. I'm not talking about, uh, Lord, I make sure there's something in my cabinet, in the cupboard, in the refrigerator, because this day I'm going to need some daily bread. No. If he's there, the miracle is there, whether the food is there or not. And so when I'm praying for him, give me this day, you. Today. Give it, I, I, I need this miracle from you. And it's daily. And again, he says in both passages, if you, if you eat the bread that I give you, if you drink the water of life that I give you, you're never going to be hungry again. And you're never going to be thirsty again. What that causes me to do is if I am in a season of my life where I feel like I'm a little hungry. I'm a little thirsty. I'm a little dry. I, I don't have much. As I, I don't, it doesn't feel like I have as much to eat spiritually as I did at this other point in my life. Then I, I really have to examine myself. I'm the one that needs to check on how come I'm not dining at the buffet because he told me I would never hunger or thirst. How come I'm not? Dining. First Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to look at this. It's a passage where Paul talking to, to Corinth, the church of Corinth. Gets to share some of these things, what we're talking about right now. I know we. What is this? This is May now. We're in the month of May. Um, it feels like if you if you started and have continued on with some of the Bible reading that that Elder Hart has uh, asked us to do, you you see kind of the struggle of God's people early on in their walk. I guess you could call it from the time they were taken out of Egypt. And wandering through the wilderness and then walking into the promised land. You get to see that they were not. Uh, I, I, I'll be careful how I say this. Um, I don't I, I read through that and I didn't see what made them special. <laughs> because I saw a bunch of people that uh, were fearful. Complainers. Uh, sinful, but you know why? Because they were people. They were humans. He did, he did not choose an elect group of 
superhumans. Super above the regular human. He, he chose his people. And man, they were already in a mess. They were actually in bondage. And he chooses to lead them out of that bondage. But so that's kind of what Paul's talking about here. The first part of First uh, Corinthians 10. He says... In verse 1, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. Now, This is not, we're not reading in the Old Testament, we're reading about the Old Testament, but this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church, which was the present day church. And he's saying, remember back to these men, he called them all our fathers. They went through this time and they all shared the same spiritual meat and spiritual drink. I love how he interjects in verse 4, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Pause for a second, because to me, Christ seems like a New Testament term. A, uh, not really even so much a, a, it's like a gospel term when Jesus is there. And I talked about this a few weeks ago, what it meant to acknowledge him as Christ. But Paul is saying the rock that followed them that they drank from was Christ. He provided the spiritual drink, the spiritual meat. Verse five, he probably knew this was coming, but... With many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. What he's saying is, and I wish somebody would hear this, what he's saying is, learn from them. Learn from them. I'll say it one more time. Learn from them. What they did. While they were partaking of the spiritual. The spiritual meat. The spiritual drink. They were also overthrown in the wilderness. That's that's an interesting term. Overthrown. Because they were pulled out of Egypt. They wondered. Uh. I guess you could say somewhat safely because they were kept safe from enemies while they were wandering, but they were still overthrown. I hear overthrown and I think, well, somebody must have came in and, and, and overtook them and, and maybe made them captive again. That didn't happen in this part, but overthrown means they were still given over to something. 
in the wilderness, while they're eating the spiritual meat, while they're drinking the spiritual drink, they get overthrown. Verse 7, neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in. I'm going to pause for a second again. I'm not, I'm not moving very, very fast. I hope that's okay with you. This is Mother's Day. Uh, one particular reason why I could stand here and say I'm thankful for my mother was because she helped me navigate my youth. Now, I'm thankful for that. I know a lot of people didn't have that. And so I am thankful for that. I am a, I like to say, I'm an example of what happens when you have uh, a healthy family unit at home. But so my mom, I guess I was probably about 13 years old, 12, 13, somewhere in that range. Uh, she took it upon herself to start teaching me what it, uh, uh, parents, you can follow this, what it means for your body to be the temple of the Holy Ghost. See, I was 13, 12, 13 years old. I had been filled with the Holy Ghost. I had been baptized in the name of Jesus. But what she started to help teach me and understand is this world says, do whatever you want with your body. The world says that. But a loving parent, mother, says there are rules. There are things we do and there are things we don't do. Thank God. I, at the time, I tell you what, I was not saying thank God. I was saying, Mom, you can leave now and appreciate that. I'm, I'll do fine. But that, <laughs> Paul is still addressing this, okay? So I know I'm not too far off base. Paul is telling the church in Corinth, keep yourself from these things. Your body is not your own. And, again, learn from the fathers, those that came before you. Learn from them. I don't know why we all, we all have this tendency that says, I'm the exception. I can tell you what they're going to do because I can see what happened to them. And I'm removing myself from this completely. I think it would be good if we learned, all of us today, just be open. Verse 8 again. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. If you haven't read that story or haven't read it lately, I encourage you. 20, 23,000 people died in one day because of fornication. Go look it up. It's true, it happened. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Now, what that means, 
tempting Christ as some of them did. This is, and it's over, it's written over and over in that passage of the wandering through the wilderness. But it's every time they said, why did you lead us out here to kill us? Because there is no food and because there is no drink. If I, if I said, church, we're going to have a 21-day fast uh, out on Manashtash Ridge somewhere where there is no food and water. Uh, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to be fasting all right because there's, there's no option. <laughs> we're just going to go out there. We're going we're gonna to pile everybody into our vehicles drop them off, get somebody to take the vehicles, and we are there for 21 days, committed. Probably about the first hour, for me, I'm going to be wondering, what in the world are we doing there? I can pray and fast in the air conditioning. I can pray and fast sitting on a nice couch. But this is, this is what they did when they tempted Christ. They were saying, tempting in this passage means they are trying to get him to prove who he is, why he is, why he does what he does. And there's a lack of faith. There's an element of faith that's not present. When every time you are saying to the Lord, if this is really you, prove it. If it's really your plan for us to wander in the wilderness, go through this dry season, this dry spell, well, just prove it. I'll believe you. Prove it. That is tempting Christ. That's what... That's what the people of that day were doing to Jesus when they showed up the day after he fed them and they said, prove it. Again, I inserted the again. Prove it. Give us a sign. Show us that you are who you say you are. And then if you do that, I'll believe you. That be, we know, and as we learn from them, human nature doesn't work that way. Prove it and I'll believe you. Yeah, for a good 10 minutes. 15, 20 minutes, maybe even a couple of days if, if I'm feeling spiritual. Neither let us tempt Christ. Verse 10, neither murmur ye. I'm going to talk about this for just a little bit. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured. And were destroyed of the destroyer. To, to murmur in this, in this sense that, God, that, that, that Paul wrote. To murmur. Really one, one ex, example of it or definition is to say or speak anything in a low tone. Now the reasoning is you're speaking in that low tone because of what it is that you're saying. 
I'm not going to get up here and go, everybody, did you see how ugly Brother Hart's tie is? I'm not going to do that. But I might go over here and, hey, man, I like your tie. Did you see that one that Elder Hart was wearing? That's my low tone. I'm, spo- I'm speaking it at that level with that intention with, for that reason. Another one is just at any tone, discontented, complaining. It's kind of a double discontent, yeah, and complain. You're doing that. So they're murmuring with their complaining. Oh, man. If you want to see my parenting skills get tested, let one of my children complain to me about something that we did for them and they are no longer thankful for. (laughs) What are we going to do? I'm telling you what. You can plan a day of fun. Every activity between here and Sunnyside. Stop here. Go there. Get this. So fun. Awesome. The best day ever on a Friday. And on Saturday, why don't we ever do anything fun? And I'm getting tested. <laughs> because my, my response is, look what we just did yesterday. I wonder how many times the Lord had that thought. Every time. You know he knew their thoughts, their, 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 their words. Before they even said them, you know he knew them. But I wonder how many times he heard those, those murmuring and complaining words and thought, I gave you water from a rock yesterday. I, I caused quails to fly in. You know how far I had to bring those quails. Because what I was giving you wasn't good enough, and you said you needed meat. Okay, I gave you meat. I brought the quails in. And you're murmuring still. You're complaining still. And you know that the Lord felt it. Every time it was also directed at Moses. Because there, it, it would have been something if the Lord had given all several million of them, men, women, and children, a dream one night. Where he appears with this burning bush. I woke up and I had a dream. There's a voice speaking from me. Yeah, so did I. We all had that same dream. Awesome. Let's go. Nope, it didn't work that way. They had to follow the man that saw the burning bush and heard the voice. Sometimes our attitude towards our our leadership is very revealing of what's going on inside here. Because I'll tell you, I'll, I'll be the first one to say that Elder Hart, for example, the things that he has meant to me in my life over the years, it's amazing. It's wonderful. I couldn't even 
I couldn't even adequately express that, how much he's done for me, what he means to me. But you know what? When I'm, when I'm not being spiritual, when I'm being carnal, you know how easy it is to get annoyed by another person? Now, there's nothing that Elder Hart does that I'm going to tell you in front of this group that bothers me. I'm just kidding. I love him. But when he, can you imagine if, if he got up and he spoke and there was a powerful word and move of God, we're praying, we're crying, and it's all awesome. And then on the way home, I'm texting my brother. Man, what do you, what, how do you feel about what he said about this? Or, I know that was awesome and great, but don't you remember when he said this? And that's an attitude, and it's, it, it's something in here, really what it falls in line with is murmuring. It has nothing to do with the man. It has everything to do with the God that's leading the man. And my problem is not with the individual, whether even if I've got myself convinced that it is. Because when, when a man of God speaks a word of God to me, I become accountable for that. I become accountable for that word. And then my human nature is, let me look for any way out of that accountability. Including judging the man that delivered it. If the, if, the, if the Lord would strike the brother and sister of Moses with sickness, physical disease, because of their attitude towards something that he did, I think he takes this pretty seriously. Verse 11, it says, Now all these things happened unto them for in samples. All these things, the murmuring, the complaining, the idolatry, the fornication, all of those things happened to them for in samples to us. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. That's us, upon whom the end of the world is come. That's us. I, the Lord doesn't have another 2,000 years to make another example out of his 21st century church of what not to do so that in 2,000 more years, another body could come along and say, well, yeah, this, look at, look at, the, uh, at, the, at that, that generation. And think about what they did and how awful. Man, they messed up here and there and they didn't even listen and learn from the, the times the Lord was trying to deal with them. It doesn't work that way, people. Paul knew this and he was directed by the Holy Ghost to say, learn from them. It's for your admonition. Wherefore, verse 12, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed, 
lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. See, when the scripture says that they were overthrown in the wilderness, really what it means is they were overtaken by these temptations. Not the temptation. It's the, it's the, the idolatry that they were allowing, even pursuing. It's the fornication. It's the murmuring, the complaining, those things that overtook them. Don't let them overtake you. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to men. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. Let me, let, me, let me just give you one more literal example of this. If I'm talking again about, I'll use this example of Elder Hart's tie. And it, well, not even the one he's wearing today, so nobody gets too confused or concerned about that. It's, it's a past one. I, I don't have one in my mind. But it, if I have a problem with that, this scripture says that the temptation to complain about it to murmur about it, is not so great that I don't also have the ability to, oh, don't send that message. Oh, don't speak those words. It, I tried this one when I was a teenager. I just couldn't help myself. Oh, yeah? Yeah? And looking to, to turn and, and point blame and, and all these things. And really, what the scripture says is, if you go down that road and allow yourself to give in to that temptation, you did not follow the way of escape that the Lord would have provided. So what it says, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment? Lord Jesus, God, I thank you for your word and your spirit that's here. Your presence is here, Lord Jesus, and we're thankful for that. The word that you're speaking to us today, oh God, I pray, let us receive this with gladness, I pray. Let us receive this with joy, Lord Jesus, and not with complaining. In the name of Jesus, the work that you want to do in my life, God, I open myself up to it right now. Jesus, I'm thankful, God, for all the ways of escape that you have made for us. Jesus, it's not your will that any would perish. It's not your will, Lord God, that any would be lost or turn or 
perish, God, in our sins. But it is your will that all would come to repentance, Lord Jesus. That all would desire to turn from our wicked ways towards you. In the name of Jesus. Come on, why don't you stand and just for a minute, let's just repent before the Lord honestly, openly. Jesus, I turn from my own thoughts right now. I turn from my own ways. Jesus, my own desires, God, that are contrary to yours. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity that you've given. Come on, don't take this lightly. I encourage you. Seek the Lord right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You are the way, Lord Jesus. You are the way, Lord Jesus. You're the truth and the life, O oh God. He come ahasatai. He satahaye. In the name of Jesus. He adaromukahatai. He te Come on, the miracle is here today. The miracle is here right now. Why don't you reach out and grab it? Reach out and lay hold of it. Claim it today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. To receive it into our spirit today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to talk to us just a minute right where we are here. There's some important things the Lord has been speaking to us Wednesday and today. And it's, it's because he's... The Lord, sometimes we can, if we're not careful, if we, if we listen to the word through our intellect, this is why you hear me say so often, we got to be listening with our spirit. If we listen to the word with our intellect, we'll try to qualify the word. Well, I don't know if that's for me. I, I don't know if that fit. I, well, that's not me. I, I like Brother Hart's tie. Right, right? I'm a silly example. But you understand, I, that, that's not me. That, that must be what... what and we dismiss the word because we're listening with our intellect and we're, we're processing all of the word in our human reasoning. And we're not letting the Lord put into our spirit his word that he's trying to do in order to posture us for his purpose. And position us for his calling and for his plan for us day by day. You understand, all of these things he was doing in the children of Israel, he was trying to take them somewhere. But they were reflecting on little things. They weren't seeing where he was trying to take them. And so they were finding fault with the things he was asking of them or the things he was doing, not realizing how they related to where he was taking them. And so if I just listen with my intellect and I process some of these things, well, I don't murmur, I don't, or, 
and I start processing in my human reasoning, I'll miss what God is trying to do in my spirit and warnings he's trying to put in my life and in us as a body because of where he's taking us and what he's wanting to do. I feel this so powerfully in my spirit right now. There is a voice in the world today, and I'll tell you what that voice is. It is a voice of division. It is a voice of division, choosing of sides. It amazes me. Somebody once said to me, whatever you do, if you're looking at something online, don't read the comments. Don't raise your hand if you read the comments. You really shouldn't read the comments. It, you, you could pick any subject. I tell you what, you could pick any subject. And it doesn't take long. If you look in the comments, somebody's going to find a way to say something to make it divisive. They're going to put a political slant. They're going to put some slant on this. On They're going to bring race into it. They're, they're going to bring something to bring division. Why is that? I'll tell you why it is. It is the spirit of the God of this world right now. You can blame it on the president. You can blame it on blame it on whatever you want I'll tell you who the source is the source is Satan the God of this world and so he brings division divide 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 I'll get you to argue about this I'll get you to debate about this and here's what here's how it creeps into the church I'm fired up right about now I feel the Holy Ghost here's how it creeps into the church I have things I'm really opinionated about. And you and I are allowed because God gave us free choice to have opinion. I have things I'm passionate about. I have things I believe that I'm excited about. And so I'll begin to promote my opinion strongly. You have the right to do that. But if I'm not careful... I'll begin without even realizing I'm bringing division. What should happen is we should be united by the word of God. We should be knit together by the word of God. And Elder Flowers, because it was safe, used me as an example. You I mean, you probably have to guard against murmuring about me every once in a while because I'm pretty human. You've noticed that. And I pray God give you grace to guard against that. But we also have to guard against murmuring about our brother and our sister. And I'm not saying this because I think this is a massive issue that we're dealing with. But I'm telling you, it's the spirit of the world that would like to get into the church. And so what do I do? I have to hear the word of the Lord today. These things are all written to us for examples. And so I want us to pray again, and I want to pray, God, guard my spirit. God, let your word be imprinted upon the fleshy table of my heart. I pray accord. Come on, would you talk to him with me right now? God, I want this word to have its mark upon my life. I want the unity in the body of Christ that you desire, that we could be positioned according to your design for where you are leading us, for how you are using us and going to use us. Father, let none of these elements that are elements of this world get into our spirit, but shine the light 
light of your word upon my life uh, that those things where they are in the recesses of any place of my heart or my mind or my spirit would be revealed and that I would lay them before you as I lay upon the altar and they would be purged from my spirit purged from my thinking purged from my mind oh God that I would be the vessel that you need in this hour that we as a body would be fitly framed as you desire in this hour in the name of Jesus 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 let it be so let it be so let it be so Father let it be so say how do I do this every day every day because this is a daily battle you know why it's a daily battle because you and I walk and live in the world every day and so the God of this world always looks for opportunity and so how do I overcome so I'm not overthrown I have to drink spiritual water and I have to eat spiritual meat every day. Every day. Every day I've got to abide in Him and let Him abide in me. Every day I've got a purpose to posh and recognize. Oh no, I heard that thought. I, I, I see that text. You know what? I'm not going to even respond to that. I heard what they said. I'm not even going to respond to that unless I'm just going to shut them down. I might do that. I'm not picking on Brother Martin. He's just a good place to rest my hand at the moment. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God today? Thankful that He loves us enough to speak to us where we are, to put things in our spirit because of His plan for us. There was a statement, some of you may have heard it before. It was the idea that there were some families that would come to church and then they'd go home and they'd have the preacher for dinner. Some of you may not understand that. The idea was they'd go home and sit at the dinner table and then just begin to talk about everybody and everything. And the body of Christ it ought not ever be. Ever. What should I do if I see a brother or sister overtaken in a fault? The word is clear. You which are spiritual, restore such a one. I'm going to let you in on a secret. If you're talking about them, you just revealed you weren't spiritual. You just revealed. And so let the Lord... Let the Lord mark this in our spirit. I feel like I need to say this again. Maybe there is something going on that I'm unaware of. Some murmuring or stuff. But I really feel the Lord trying to get this into our spirit. Because of how he's knitting us together as a body of believers and what he's wanting to do. And where there's unity, he commands a blessing. These are things that destroy unity. And he's wanting to do a work in this hour. And the world is going to know who we are. Not because of the work we do. The world is going to know who we are because of our love one for another.
Amen. Can we thank him together today for his word? Let it be written on our hearts, Father. Let it be written in our spirit, Father. God, if I've got any ought in my spirit toward a brother or a sister, I go to them according to your word. Before I finish at the altar, I go to them, Father. I leave my gift that I brought to you at the altar, Lord, and I go to my brother or sister and I make it right with them. And then I'll come back to the altar and present my gift to you, Lord. According to your word, I want my spirit right with my brother, my spirit right with my sister, Lord. I want to learn from these examples that there be unity in the body, that we be in right relationship with you, that you lead us and use us according to your purpose, Father. We thank you today for your word. We thank you for the clear sound. We receive it of you today. We embrace it, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. And everybody said amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you today. May he be with you. Moms, happy Mother's Day. I believe we have a gift for you today as you leave. And... uh, Thank you so much for being here today. Hold on to this word. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.